Welcome to the 63rd episode of the Eyes Have It Baseball HQ podcast. I'm Brent Hershey, joined by my co-host Chris Blessing. We're glad you joined us. We've got a great show lined up. Uh, I'll provide a few thoughts on the Futures game. Players, the uh, rosters were announced last week, and they'll uh, obviously take place on uh, Saturday, July 8th, uh, out in Seattle. And uh, Chris is going to break down four NL prospects, uh, NML prospects from the Central. Uh, first of all, today, how are you, Chris? Doing well. We're recording on Wednesday. We usually record on Monday. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that we're recording on Wednesday and not Monday because I don't think I could have made it through the broadcast because I was so mentally and physically tired. So thank you for co- uh, compensating a bit making and being able to accommodate me, um, moving us to Wednesday. So, yeah. uh, Brent, how are you doing this week? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, had a good Fourth of July uh, yesterday, as you said, as we're recording on Wednesday, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, attending the uh, weekend festivities out in Seattle. I leave on Friday, and we'll come back next Wednesday. Um, and that's a uh, probably a good little segue into our first kind of yep. segment. Um, we uh, we are obviously. Very excited, uh, both you and I. We've attended the uh, Futures Games together in the past, and I'll be doing it uh, this year. And um, just thought we would give some uh, kind of general thoughts on yeah, uh, just, just a couple of the of the players uh, that will be out there, and specifically um, for me anyway, guys that I'm uh, interested in seeing. Um, can well, you? you know- uh, Real quick, Brent, I'm a super jealous. Uh, my hope this year was to get to the All-Star game after missing last year and the year before that, uh, uh, both games. I had it in my, my schedule, but unfortunately, life kind of takes some weird turns. And uh, the good thing is I have some extra money, hopefully, to spend uh, with an extra day or two in Arizona for first pitch Arizona. And before we get to that, uh, I know registration's open for first pitch Arizona. We actually yeah. talked about it on last week's episode. And, um, you know, I know today is the deadline for the early bird special, and you'll have another special uh, running after that special's up, correct? Yep. Yeah. We uh, The next deadline is um, July 31st. Um, so we expect, uh, during July to get, um, get some more information, get some, uh, schedule, uh, schedule some topics and get them up there for folks to see, fill in, uh, some of the speakers as they confirm. Uh, so it'll be a big month for us, uh, pushing towards, um, pushing towards that yeah. July 31st, uh, deadline. So we're excited and, uh, going. And I'll just announce right now, even though it's not on the site, I am a confirmed speaker. I don't know what I'm doing right now, but <laughs> since I'll be there, I know Brent will put me to work. And and to work is to to speak at the conference. It will be November 2nd to the 5th at the same hotel that we've been at, which is the Sheridan Mesa Wrigleyville. It's right next to Sloan Park, um, which is where the Mesa uh, Solar Sox play. Um so like there's there's baseball everywhere you'll get to go to a few first a few first pitch uh arizona games uh arizona fall league games uh you'll get to mingle with a lot of the uh industry folks that uh show up at these events and you'll get to talk and possibly draft fantasy baseball uh it's a great weekend and 
Uh, it's something that is on my calendar, and my wife just asked which weekend it is because she knows mm-hmm. that more than likely I will be at it. Um, so I'm looking forward to being at that. I get to be there from October 31st to, I guess it's November 6th. So I, I'm spending an entire week there. So very excited about that. And um, again, July 31st is the next uh, um, price point deadline. So go ahead and get into that and you can also see if you've never been you can see what our uh schedule and our our game plan was like last year uh brent and 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 ray have that information up on the site right now um and there were a lot of good uh panels last year it was one of our i believe one of our strongest years yeah it's always uh it's always fun time of year this um during these months uh getting together ideas for um what fantasy uh, folks, fantasy people who play fantasy baseball uh, are interested in uh, conversing about and hearing about. Um, you know, we have some standard uh, sessions we do every year, but then we also try to mix it up with uh, new stuff. And of course, there'll be uh, plenty of talk out there about the results of the new um, the new rules. Uh, we'll talk about the you know rising prospects that we see there at the Arizona in the Arizona Fall League. Um, we know for sure we don't have a we don't have a game schedule yet, but we know for sure we did get confirmation that the Fall Stars game is on Saturday night that weekend. Um, so um, totally that's, awesome. That, that's good to know. True, that's kind of of course the league All Star game, kind of the best of the best that are out there. And uh, there's always good memorable uh, memories from from those games in the past. So anyway, yes, we hope uh, hope you all can join us out at First Pitch Arizona. So a transition again from one showcase to another showcase, and that is the Futures game, which will uh, that takes place on Saturday uh, in Seattle, as as Brent mentioned, and he will be there live uh, with the reports on batting practice. That's kind of the thing that is uh, that's the awesome part about covering the event. That's yeah. the, unfortunately they should they should really broadcast that out. That 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 is. Um, if you're going to tune into the futures game, you would tune into the batting practice. That's how uh, yeah. that's how memorable that event usually is. So uh, that's where the jealousy, and also Seattle's an awesome city too. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of jealousy right now here <laughs> with me sitting here in balmy Georgia right now. Uh, I'm yeah. chosen Seattle, but anyway, a uh, lot of great prospects going to be there. Um, Jackson Holiday, who I, I guess we'll just say it's the number one prospect in baseball, probably the number one prospect in fantasy right now um, that is not in the major leagues. Um, so like, you know, a big time, uh, big time names are there. Jackson Chorio, who uh, I covered this year from the Brewers, uh, Marcelo Meyer, who I covered from the Red Sox. You got James Wood, Jordan Lawler, um, a guy that I'm going to cover a little later. Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be there. Uh, I love the three guys that you picked to preview, and we'll we'll start out with the. I, I, I'm going to call him the emerging third baseman from the uh, Detroit Tigers, and a guy that we got to see last year at First Pitch Arizona playing yep. in the Arizona Fall League and in the Futures game, and that is third baseman Colt Keith. Um, tell me, what do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts about Keith after you know, kind of bearing down on him and watching him a bit? Yeah, uh, something I'm someone I'm really 
uh, well, all these guys, obviously, kind of seeing for the first time. Uh, well, though I, I saw a little bit of Keith last year uh, out there. I do get to some of the games, uh, but not quite as many as you usually. Uh, but in, in looking uh, at his um, profile and stuff today, he, you know, really started out well in uh, in double A this year, uh, spent most of the season there in Erie up to this point, hit 325, uh, 391 on base and 585 slugging. Um, just uh, about 10 days ago, uh, he was promoted to triple A Toledo. Uh, where he hit a home run in his first at bat and has been just on fire since uh, up to this point is like, I think 11 for his first 25. Um, when I see him, you know, he's a, he's a lefty hitter kind of with a moderate crouch, uh, a leg kick and a really powerful swing. He's a, a well-built, uh, you know, guy about six, three, two forty ish or so. Um, has I, I thought his swing mechanics and looking him to him are similar to kind of uh, Brett Beatty's a little bit. Now Beatty's not quite as big, and I think um, it looks like Keith has more power at this point. Um, but just some of the you know some of the leg kick and, and mechanics kind of re- reminded me of uh, Beatty. A couple things stood out to me. Um, you know he has consistent double digit walk rates um, and uh, really improved his. K percentage to about uh, 20% this year. Um, doesn't chase a lot, so has you know a pretty solid plate approach. And I think again, you know, what's kind of uh, interesting about him is it's a it's a power and hit uh, kind of combination. Um, I think that the you know he's shown uh, and uh, and one of the most impressive things too is that he's just 21 years old. He was a, a fifth round pick in that 2020 draft. Uh, out of a Mississippi high school. Um, so he's, you know, age 21 and um, certainly doing well in this, at least in this first 10 days at AAA. Um, so I'll be interested to uh, to see his, you know, of course, his batting practice. Um, there are some questions about his defense at third base um, and especially how, how the body will develop. I mean, will he be kind of mobile enough to, to stay there? Um, but it does seem like the bat, uh, could carry him in a corner outfield position if they have to move him there. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see, um, you know, again, how many innings he gets to play at third, what kinds of, uh, if any kind of plays he gets to make, uh, on defense will, is always kind of, uh, you know, an unknown in a exhibition game like this. Um, but he certainly, uh, with that hit and power tool should be, um, an interesting one to, uh, Keep an eye on during the batting practice portion uh, anyway, and as well as facing the uh, talent at arms that will be uh, coming coming at him. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, seeing him at the fall league and seeing his batting practice before uh, fall stars last year, like just dynamic uh, power potential out of Keith uh, was, was one of the more impressive bats uh, at the uh, AFL last year. Um, there were guys that were more impressive, but I think Keith, uh, I went into the all-star game, not knowing as much uh, about Keith, got an education from our friend, Jeff Ponce, uh, before seeing him or uh, driving to the park one day, uh, and, you know, just absolutely loved what, what I saw. And you can really see the progression, 
uh, especially in the power numbers from from last year to this year, even though there was some injury that kind of slowed him down a bit. Um, uh, like this is a kid that went from a uh, borderline top 100. I don't think he made our HQ 100 last year. Uh, I think he was on a few of the ballots, uh, a few of the lists that were submitted. Uh, but I, I think only, the, you know, really truly, I don't know if anybody really had him as a top 100 guy, but he has quickly asserted himself, has made proper swing uh, adjustments, hasn't lost anything, uh, has actually gained more bat speed. The the 2020 draft, and I, I wrote about it today, published an article on Thursday uh, about how right now the prospect pool is missing because uh, of the 2020 and the 2021 draft. Uh, just being like, they're just not strong drafts. Uh, this is like the exception to the rule, uh, getting a kid in the fifth round in a five-round draft wow. uh, that has produced and really and truly might be the best Tiger hitter Sands Riley Green that was drafted, uh, you know, in the first round. It's several years to come through their system. So, like, uh, yeah. this this is a big deal. This is a big deal for that organization that has been lacking. Um, yeah. So, yeah, good choice there. Uh, the next guy that you have is a, is a hitter that I actually featured a few weeks ago um, at the website. And that's uh, – uh, a kid that just got moved up to Double A and has been doing some good things in Double A, and that's uh, Yanquil Fernandez of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he's an outfielder, I believe. Yes, he is an outfielder. Uh, I, I almost blanked that. I was thinking of another uh, for a brief minute there. I was thinking of another Rockies player named Sterling uh, um, uh, Thompson, who's their third baseman, and I don't know why I confused that all of a sudden. Um, but anyway, uh, Yanquil Fernandez. Aggressive approach, uh, big bopper. What, what what did he see from him? Yeah, I mean another guy that um, <clears throat> really is uh, is young for the level, right? I mean you uh, you talked about it. He got um, uh, started out in uh, well pl- played for a little bit, just uh, just three games in uh, low A to start the season, um, then spent uh, fifty eight games. Uh, with Spokane in the Northwest League in high A, uh, and then now 11 games in Hartford at double A. And another guy that's really young, like I said, uh, just 20 years old. Um, he listed at uh, 6'2", 198, and for his year-to-date line so far, he's just been uh, really killing it. Uh, 308 with a 356 on base and a 599 slugging. Uh, when you watch watch his swing, uh, the thing that stood out to me is just the amazing amount of kind of upper body torque he puts uh through uh, or or has um you know he just really uh show you know in a way kind of shows his back to the pitcher and it and that uh, really results in a a power uh you know a power laden kind of swing i can i can kind of see where uh at times it could probably get long and you know the swing get a little too long and sweepy like you might be able to get uh, be beaten kind of inside or at certain places, but there's certainly plenty of strength there. Um, you know, sometimes I, I've seen him kind of uh, just really when, when guys have kind of missed in that, you know, that nitro zone down and into lefties, uh, uh, he's just right there, drops the head on it and just uh, has, has crushed some of his pitches. Uh, it was good to see him also, 
hit a bomb on a pitch that was up where it kind of shortened up the swing a little bit. And I think that's going to be uh, the main thing I'll have to work on is kind of that swing, uh, swing maintenance. I think he, I mean, he still swings and misses a bunch um, and that approach kind of may hold him back some, but, uh, but the bat speed and the power and the strength is, uh, is for real. Um, and, you know, as a classic kind of corner outfielder masher, and, you know, when I think about the, uh, the uh, batting practice and what we see and when we're always, uh, you know, what kind, of, what kind of comes out of the batting practice there uh, at the Futures game, I think he, in the bits that I've seen and the attributes I've uh, read about and, and researched, I think he's, uh, you know, going to be an exciting one to kind of uh, take over and kind of maybe drop some jaws uh, there in the, in the batting practice portion. Of that, but I think in uh, I think because of the power potential there, he has a lot of fantasy uh, appeal, and uh, it will uh, I think you know how how much of that uh, translates will just go uh, depend on kind of his uh, ability to make contact and uh, and and uh, sharpen up that approach. So like right now he's on he's on track for 40 home runs uh, in the yeah. minor leagues. Uh, the aggressive approach, we're talking about a swing rate uh, of around 55%, um, chase rate around 35%. Uh, the swing and miss is like close to 30%. So he he does get to, uh, you know, he does get to pitches and, 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 uh, and spoil pitches, uh, even though he chases so much. Uh, but still, uh, the swing and miss is, is, is uh, the scary part in the, in the, and uh, um, the approach, and and that's that's one of the things that we're gonna. It's a common theme when you're going through these prospects to to mm-hmm. scout them for a prospect list. Is there's a lot of guys like him, like uh, Jackson Chorio, that have been challenged at a young age. When maybe um, a, another one, Junior Caminero, uh, who's up in Double A right now, that have been challenged because of their production at the lower levels, and that we're missing a group of prospects from 2020, 2021 that are just not there to fill these rosters out. So they're much more willing to take these guys to Double A and have them uh, work on that that approach at that level. Um, so it's. It'll be interesting to see how this turns out. You know, Jackson Chorio is is doing well considering uh, his age and his approach right now in Double A. I mean, it's not yeah. a not the worst, um, uh, you know, um, uh, OPS or anything like that. But like, uh, it's 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 difficult to really grasp uh, where these guys uh, are going to be in a few years, just based on. Um, and where that approach actually comes from. So uh, he's gonna he's gonna be the one that puts on the show. I think you're you're right. He's he's the one that is gonna probably get the oohs and ahs uh, during yeah. batting practice. Um, yeah. The final guy that you have listed here is a, a guy that's interested me. He was a first round pick last year uh, by the Dodgers, um, a catching prospect named Dalton Rushing. Uh, what do you got on Rushing? Yeah. Uh, interesting in, you know, kind of looking at his swing, uh, compared to Fernandez's, it's, uh, there are a lot of, uh, 
stark differences. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's a, he's, uh, you know, listed as 6'1", 220, more of a catcher's body. Um, but, uh, you know, and he's a left-handed hitter, uh, like Fernandez, but very much a uh, compact uh, swing. Just a, just a compact kind of simple uh, swing at the plate. Um, get some, get some pop. Um, you know, last year he was a, uh, as you said, a second round pick in 2022 for the Dodgers, um, out of, out of Louisville, um, and had eight home runs and just 99 at bats in a ball last year. Um, and he has another eight in the first half here and he's, uh, you know, his slash line isn't quite as eye popping as the other two we were talking about, but he's hitting 267, uh, 426 on base which goes a lot to say uh, about his uh, advanced approach and then a 500 slugging. So he's got 43 walks so far um, in his, uh, in his 54 games. Um, so he's really adept at kind of waiting for his pitch um, and, uh, and, you know, and driving him. He's got 16 doubles, like I said, the 500 slugging. Um, but the, you know, the swing is just, um, is, is really nice to watch uh, in the in the stuff in the uh, portions that I saw. Just short, quick to the ball, um, and the fact that uh, he was he's able to kind of get enough carry on it, send it to the gaps and and over the wall certainly um, makes him as a catcher, you know, be interest uh, be of interest to um, fantasy guys. So again, um, kind of uh, you know moving up quickly. He's 22. Um, still at high A, uh, Dodgers, of course, have reputation of, uh, you know, bringing up some good hitters. Um, um, they, you know, still need, still need to finish them off at the, at the majors. Some of these young guys, Vargas and Altman, they're going through some struggles. Uh, but, uh, certainly rushing is going to be a guy you're going to hear a lot about, I think in the next, in the coming years. And especially, like I said, from the fantasy side of things, uh, if he's, as long as he's able to stay at catcher, um, which is obviously so valuable. It's such a short, compact swing, and he does such a great job of, especially getting getting into those power alley, alley uh, to right center field, uh, yeah. and really kind of exploiting that. Uh, I, I'm just watching home run after home run from this year, uh, and like it, it's pretty much the same swing that he puts on. Uh, on each of them there's not really much deviation it, yeah. it looks like a pull heavy uh power approach at this time with really good patience and uh, uh a good sense of what guys are trying to do to him um you know these uh, uh dalton rushing is not going to be a guy that um is the wow factor during a futures game but right. this is a this is a profile that the more times you see him you're going to like as a hitter. Um, he's kind of what people, I guess, expected Kevin Parada to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. Mets prospect this year uh, who was drafted uh, in the first round and um, has, you know, misperformed, although he's done better recently. Um, uh, I, I believe rushing probably stays at the position way catching's going. Uh uh, but then again, you've got the Dodgers. They've got Will Smith at the big league level. Um, they've got uh, a, another big guy, Kataya, that's uh, right. just above him. 
uh, just above rushing or around rushing. I forget where he's at. I think he's in Double A right now. Yeah, uh, but they, they, yeah, they've they've got some talent at that position uh, right now uh, ahead of him. So it'll be amazing, uh, interesting, really, to see where he ends up. Uh, he could very well be a trade domino, if not uh, Cartaya. I mean, he could be the trade domino. Um, so again, that's the futures game. It will be on Saturday. Will be from Seattle. I'm sure MLB Network's covering it. Uh, I don't get MLB Network in my current cable thing, so I'm going to have to probably stream it uh, through MLB TV, which is not a problem. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I look forward to your uh, your your points of view on these guys and yeah, and and the excitement because uh, we're going to be recording on Monday with you live in Seattle. Yeah. Um. So that that that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh. Yeah. Anywho, um, we don't have I don't have an ad this week for for Patrick's podcast, but again, always check out Patrick uh, uh, Patrick's podcast, Baseball HQ Radio, um, yep. our flagship radio station, our radio station podcast, and <laughs> it's available at most podcast places and also uh, on BHQ's website on baseballhq.com uh, website. You can find it uh, in a widget next to our widget. Uh, so it's it's very easy to find and it's very easy to go between our two podcasts. So um, I look forward. I, I listened to his episode a few weeks ago. Um, oh, God, which episode? I, I'm blanking right now. Uh, but it, it's a longer podcast than our podcast. And it's really chocked with so much good information. And he asks just awesome questions to his guests um, that really you know, get them to elaborate. Um, I know earlier this season, I, I listened to uh, to Rotogut Vlad on there, and it just mm-hmm. was a phenomenal interview. And and you got to know a lot about Vlad's process. Um, and, and I think that's the best part of the whole show is you get a really good idea of uh, the guests that week, their process. And then, of course, all those other baseball HQ and, uh, and baseball radio stuff that makes it uh, makes it award winning uh, podcast. Yep. Very true. Uh, we've got uh, Patrick's been doing a long time, and he's a uh, he's a master, as they say. So, anyway, let's uh, move on to your some of your scouting looks uh, from this week. I know you've got a chance to uh, take a look at the Double A affiliate of the Cubs, the Tennessee Smokies, and uh, they've got a couple interesting, uh, several interesting players, but the kind of the headliner. Um, is outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong, um, first round pick of the Mets in that 2020 draft, and then uh, traded to the Cubs in the Javier Baez deal. Um, has had some injury history a couple years ago, um, but uh, seemed like last year really kind of solidified where he was at, and uh, is uh, looks like he's having a another really solid. Uh, year this year he's uh, also gone like you said going to be at the futures game i'll uh see him again i think he was there last year too if i recall correctly uh but what's your uh what's your current update on pete crow armstrong well i um last week was supposed to get out to uh the lookout Smokies uh um series unfortunately there was a, a death in our family uh wasn't able to get out to any of the games uh and i'll be honest i mean the games were hot. 
Uh, I'm kind of glad <laughs> I didn't have to sit through uh, some of those temperatures. Uh, I, I had told my wife on Sunday, and I told you also that I was going to get out to that game, and I was so wiped out that I I just I couldn't get out there. I drove somebody to the airport in Chattanooga and drove back home, and there was like, yeah, there's no way I can do this. This is insane. But I do want to thank uh, I want to thank some of the lookouts uh, folks, um, uh, especially the dude that does their video, uh, their editing, their live video editing, David Pasqua, friend of mine for many years actually in theater, um, but he does he does a phenomenal job of uh uh they don't have as many cameras as some of the other places but but he the cutting to the other camera is always right on cue so it's a very easy place off a of video to get home to first times home to second home to third uh and also to get um catching pop time so i appreciate that and then also their media guy dan uh dan uh gave me some very good uh insight on uh on some of these players after the game, uh, you know, he's a busy man, but like he just raved, just like the scouting context that I've talked to about Pete Crow Armstrong's defensive abilities. Um, this is a double plus, um, almost exceptional fielder. Um, like that, that's his, I know that's not a big deal for us in fantasy, but like he is that good. His first step is, is butter. Like he, he makes the right move almost every time. And that was another great thing about the lookout speed was I was able to see that because uh, mm. the, they they turned to, you know, they had the the behind the pitcher, um, you know, typical traditional um, uh, main screen. But then he, yeah. you know, they were able to get to the, one of their other cameras and I got to see him track down pitches or track down hits. And all of that stuff. So I, I really feel like I have almost like a live look um, hmm. because of that. Um, so anyway, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, the offensive player. Uh, first off, my home the first time that I got on him on a jailbreak uh, was 3.98 seconds from the left hand. So we're talking about <laughs> on, on that jailbreak, you know, it was uh, plus plus. But really, and truly, it's probably plus speed. Um, just got a good one. I got another one, 4.03. It's uh, more in line. Um, he's an athletic dude. He's listed 5'11", 185. There's still some room to fill out that uh, athletic frame. Uh, he's added some good strength since the last time I saw him, um, which was last year. Uh, at the plate, it's upright, slight closed stance. With his hands hide, high and his uh, hands also cocked back, uh, as the pitch is delivered, he does move his hands back to the trigger uh, fairly smoothly and utilizes a toe tap uh, and, you know, again, uh, has that closed up uh, swing already. Um, and it, there's like this body torque thing that he does that he really does uh, uh, on his lower half that does uh, get all the energy back to his lower half, creates very good leverage for his swing um, and has really kind of taking a swing to a different level this year while also having some setbacks, even though uh, I, I think the slash I took before yesterday's game was 277, 358, 487. Doesn't look like a guy that's having much issue, but there are some mechanical things, uh, small mechanical issues that once they're cleared up uh, could really unlock a lot more uh, Pete Crow Armstrong. So, 
uppercut swing now. Um, it was a flatter uh, trajectory. I'm not. It's not an extreme uppercut swing, but it's it's getting to more loft. It's plus bat speed. Uh, right now, it's top hand heavy, and when it, when uh, when a uh, swing is top hand heavy, you tend to not have the same uh, maneuverability of the swing. Uh, top hand heavy hitters get um, get abused usually up in the zone because they can't get to those pitches. Uh, I think for him, it's a slight adjustment that's needed to get back to where where he was. Um, last year, I saw a lot of Matt McLean, and Matt McLean was so top heavy, and um, you know he resolved that this year. I mean, he looks so yeah. much better, and, and you yeah. know is is doing great. I don't think he's sustainable at what he's at, but like um, it, it was a much bigger bigger top hand heavy issue than than what Pete Crow Armstrong's going through this year. Um, I did also think that he struggled with slider spin, especially against left-handed pitching, which could be a risk of him being a platoon guy, but being a left-handed hitter, uh, he'll be on the good side of the platoon. Um, it's always good to play platoons um, if, if you're if you're savvy enough and they have a great uh a great thing, but you would prefer guys to be able to hit from both sides of the uh, both both sided arms and all that good stuff. Um, he actually, what was surprising to me this year was he's he's much more aggressive with his swings. Uh, he was almost cerebral last year. Now he's gone into a direction where he's a little too aggressive. Um, so it's a high swing approach right now. Uh, does foul off pitches. His mechanical issues that are contributing to high whiff rates are also preventing him somewhat of uh, getting to that outside pitch like he was last year. Um, again, I think it's a very uh, um, workable um, solution. And it's something that we're likely going to see maybe into the second half of the year or probably definitely um, during the offseason. It's hard to make swing adjustments in season. Um uh, it just is. So, um, you know, we're we're we'll be patient and wait for that. Um, the thing that he's doing much uh, better now is he's hitting the ball harder consistently, and that improved loft has has um, shown gains in power. Um, coming into the year, kind of saw him more as a below average power hitter with a high hit tool. I think mm -hmm. the high hit tool is still there, but I think the power is now close to average. Mm. Tie that into a uh, plus runs run tool and while i didn't necessarily have him because i don't have the cubs organization i kind of had him as an 8c player last year and he's one of those rare players i'm moving up to a nine um i think he's a, a 9c player at this point um because now that power is there i think the hit will maintain at least at a at a 280 hitter um maybe even more than that and um you know with the potential going 2020 Hitting it for a high average, I mean that's a that's a dynamic fantasy uh, performer mm -hmm. at this point yeah. um, in time. So uh, rating goes up for Pete Crow Armstrong, um, which is is a good thing because this year I've been taking a lot of ratings and going down. <laughs> nice to have, nice to go and be going the other way. But yeah, I mean that's uh, that's certainly uh, as you. What you're talking about is is exactly right. If that is the case, and there's more power to come, uh, more power to come there. He's got uh, what ten ten homers and and twelve doubles already, as you said, uh, slugging 483. But yeah, adding that to the game, uh, knowing that uh, he's not having any trouble stealing bases, 
Uh, he's got 23. He's 23 out of 30 so far uh, this year. Um, all of that, along with the average, will, uh, will make him a very valuable uh, fantasy asset once he uh, once he reaches his peak uh, in Chicago. What's uh, what do you think? Sort of the timeline for him uh, is he's in Double A now. Do they kind of move him up to Triple A at some point this year, or to do as a you know twenty one year year old? Do they just uh, let him kind of continue to rake and get those important at bats? Uh, this year at Double A, the rumor is is that he's headed up after the a futures game. That's the rumor that I've heard. So uh, we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. Um, I hate to speculate, but uh, it almost feels like he's going to be moved up um, at yeah. the All Star break. Um, so the, good for him. I don't know if he makes a major league debut. I mean, I know the Cubs are sort of in it. Um, but like yeah. any team in a, one of the centrals is sort of in it, uh, so like yeah. it's kind of <laughs> right. kind of a weird weird place to be. I mean, I, I, yeah. it's it's just the NL and AL Central; they're just yeah. like yeah. that. So yeah. uh, I would hope that he sticks uh, in the minor leagues and, and debuts next year. But he's yeah. the bona fide center fielder of the future, and uh, yeah, I guess the uh, guess our Met fan friends, uh, me as a recovering Met fan, can kind of say this. This is the one that's going to hurt um, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and you make a you know just to go back. You make a great point too that um, there are, if I recall from other years, a lot of guys, a lot, uh, you know, a, a solid handful of players who uh, do kind of make the level jump after the futures game um, in yeah. the past several seasons. And uh, yeah, it would seem it would seem like kind of the timeline that uh, Armstrong is on that he could. Could well be one of those. Let's move to another uh, another outfielder um, again in that same organization on that same affiliate. Uh, Owen Casey um, from Canada, uh, twenty years old. Um, was a second rounder in the twenty twenty draft again uh, by the Padres, and then came to the Cubs in the uh, in the U Darvish deal uh, back then. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, in double a and, uh, you know, has been floating around some, some, uh, various lists, um, over the years. Uh, what's your current update, uh, when taking a look at Casey? So, um, dude was like super awkward when they drafted him, just awkward body, six foot four, uh, long legged, all of that good stuff. He's filled out some, um, uh, he's changed his swing. He's gone from a guy that uh, uh, couldn't get lift to a guy that's, um, I, I would say, getting moderate lift at this point, moderate loft. Um, uh, his whole profile is based really on his power potential and how hard he can hit the ball. Um, he's a corner outfielder. He has average speed, surprisingly. I, I got a four. Uh, 4.8 on a 4.08 on a jailbreak home first. Um, uh, usual speed on on a home to first was about 4.14, so average speed. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't expect it because he does have longer longer limbs, a longer follow through, that sort of thing. But but he does have good speed. But I mean the body, the size, the fact that P. Crow Armstrong's center fielder. Um, this guy, this guy is a corner outfielder, likely either right or left. Even though the arm's not as strong at right field, 
um, there is the power carry. And, and it's a lot of pair of power carry. It's upright, slight open stance, it's hands cocked back. There's just the slightest of hitch getting to the hit position, but it takes him forever to get to the hit position, which is really weird. It doesn't it doesn't seem like it, it almost seems like he's passively getting to the hit position. Um, he utilizes the toe tap and, and, and that kind of stuff. Being six foot four, having long legs, long arms, it's a longer lever level swing, lever swing, um, moderate uppercut. Maybe somewhere between mild to moderate uh, uppercut trajectory. Uh, pretty good bat speed, probably plus bat speed. Might even be plus plus bat speed. Um, but it, it's wild how slow it does take him to get uh, really to the hit position. Um, it's a patient approach. Um, there's a high zone miss rate on fastballs in the zone that just doesn't have the coverage. Um can't cover above his belt very well. Does not cover the outside of the plate. Kind of closes himself off. Um, so uh, especially hard fastballs, he has has a hard time getting around on them. Um, uh, he doesn't react well to spin at this point. Uh, obviously, a guy that turns 21 in a couple days, I believe. Um, yeah. uh, like he's young for this league, um, and I think that it's a challenge. The fact that he's above his you know, it was 267 the other day, batting average with a 368 uh, uh, on base percentage. Like the fact that he's staying alive at this level, despite some of these issues, is a real testament to when he does make contact. He very rarely, like when he makes contact, he makes contact. He hits the ball really hard. Uh, the power plays all to all fields um, in the two series preceding, um, well, two preceding to the series that he's currently in against Birmingham. Um, he was hitting a lot of opposite field contact. Uh, that has not necessarily been the case most of the year. Uh, it's a mostly pull, pull heavy approach, but the power is um, power is definitely can play to all fields. Um uh, I don't think the hit tools, a five hit tool. I think it's a little less than that. He does strike out quite a bit, has a lot of swing and miss in his profile. Uh, um, maybe the on base percentage skill gets him up to maybe a average hit tool. Uh, but the power, power is probably a six power. Um, uh, the speed will probably dissipate a bit. Um, he's not a very good base stealer. He's six for twelve in stolen base attempts. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And and he doesn't really get um, talking to contacts. He doesn't get the best routes in, in the outfield. He kind of seems a bit sluggish there at times. So, like, I'm going to guess he slows down. So this is really going to be a uh, – this profile is very dependent on the batting average more than just the power. Um, if he can hit for a high enough average, 250 or above, there's a very good chance that um, that he will get to that six power that 30 home run power um my my fear is he doesn't get to the 30 home run power because he strikes out way too much and um doesn't handle the velocity uh, as well as he probably should so have him as an 8d right now on our rating scale yeah yeah i think it stands out to me i mean you mentioned a couple times just the kind of the whopping around amount of k's uh 100 strikeouts so far in uh, 66 games, 244 bats. Um, somehow still hitting 270, as you said. 
yeah. and yeah, you know, has a good, I mean, has a good eye and, and, uh, walks a lot. Uh, but that's, uh, that's a lot of strikeouts at, at double A and you have to think, um, uh, you know, you just wonder, uh, how that's gonna, how, if that's going to be able to get better as he continues to see better pitching kind of moving up the ladder. So, um, but some interesting stuff for sure, um, with that, uh, with that power. So sounds good on Owen Casey. Uh, third guy from this team is a pitcher, uh, left-hander Jordan Wicks. Um, or no, he has, he's at, he's at triple A, isn't he? He got called up. Yes, man. Just got moved, just got moved to triple A. Uh, anyway, first round pick in 2021, 21st overall from, uh, Kansas state. Um, Left-handed hurler. Um, what do you have on uh, Jordan Wicks? So Wicks is a guy out of the draft that I liked, uh, and actually kind of you know kind of spoke about him. Uh, he was he came from a Kansas State program that was heavy in the analytics, pitch lab, that sort of thing, and um, kind of I mean really hit some of the what the Cubs like in their pitching. Uh, you can see it on the major league level. It's on the minor league level. Uh, guys that tunnel their pitches extremely well, use sequencing to the greatest efficiency, all of that stuff. Uh, the problem with Wicks is he doesn't necessarily put anybody away. Even though he does have a swing and miss pitch, he throws an awful lot of pitches. And I scouted his game uh, in his AAA debut. I scouted a previous game off video as well um, and, and just was the – even breaking up the the pitches between at bats, it was like even long. Like, um, you know, not just watching a scene, but fast forwarding and just going to when he pitches the ball. It just was a, a long at bat. He was working fast, but he just throws so many pitches. It's a, it's a three quarter slot crossfire delivery. He's he's. Average athleticism, he's listed 6'3", 220. He does get off the mound well, saw him pounce on a few uh, balls in front of him. Uh, it's very repeatable delivery. Um, his physique is near physical projection at 6'3", 220. Uh, it's a controlled leg kick, uh, balances really well, um, and it, it, it's a workable delivery. Um, it, there's a four-seamer, two-seamer about um, – about at a 60-40 clip from what what I saw. Um, high, I would say average to above average strike uh, throwing ability with the pitch. Uh, it settles in that 90-94 range. It's a, it's an average pitch. It's not overpowering. Four-seamer does have solid right up in the zone. Um, Two-seamer has tail, arm side, arm side run, really. I, I wrote tail, but I meant arm side run. Uh, and with, with just a slight bit of drop, um, both of these pitches are more um, um, uh, location over stuff type uh, type pitches. Um, I, I thought that the four seamer looked better in college, um, uh, and and that's something like the you know there's a lot of Cubs pitchers where I feel like um, concentrating so much on tunneling and so much on sequencing they kind of lose some of their stuff. Um, it seems to be, get results for the Cubs when they get to the get to the big leagues, but they're not the most exciting prospects uh, when you're scouting them. Um, the best pitch is clearly the changeup. It's uh, uh, it keeps firmness. It has arm side fade with late drop. It's commanded extremely well. 
pretty much uh, can work it in and out, but uh, doesn't miss over the plate ever, really. Um, If he misses, it's out of the strike zone, um, and it's his one true uh, out pitch. He has a huge 50%. Uh, whiff rate in the in the games that I scouted, and uh, you know it's kind of been confirmed uh, by some of my other contacts that that it's a near fifty percent whiff rate. Uh, it has great separation off that uh, fastball, about uh, eight to ten miles per hour, and he sells it so well. Uh, has such a good feel for the pitch. Uh, I almost wish he threw it more often. To, you know, and and that's one of the things because his breaking pitches are not great whatsoever. Uh, the sliders, a a I would even call it a fringe average pitch. Um, uh, it, nothing really separates the pitch from anything. It's average movement, average command, uh, low velocity. That's why I would say it's fringe average. It's it's an eighty two to eighty four mile per hour pitch. Uh, doesn't really throw it with conviction. Um, also throws a very loopy curveball in the um, 77, 80 mile per hour frame. Uh, it's below average break. He tries to steal strikes, tries to backdoor the pitch uh, to right-handed hitters to, to steal strike here and there. And he's also kind of worked in a cutter that's at a higher velocity. Um, I think it's a, right now it's a, a below average pitch, but it's a solid cut. It just just doesn't really have the feel for the pitch. Um what I worry here is, like, I still ranked him a 7. I have him as a 7C because of the changeup. But there's a very good chance that this is a swingman fifth starter uh, and could very well um, be a 6. Um, I, I liked him a lot better um, in previous seasons. Um, maybe I'm missing something here, but uh, my gut really says that this guy's a major league pitcher, probably a long-time major league pitcher, especially being a left-handed pitcher. But yeah. I don't believe that it's the impactful fantasy type. It's it's yeah. more of a, you know, what we get out of guys like Kyle Hendricks, uh, you know, other Cubs starters. Um, just the, there's not the glitz and glamour. It's gets the job done type deal. Right. No sparkle. For instance. No uh, sparkle. Uh, well, I mean, if you think the change up more often, yes, but yeah, um, but not, but yeah, not, not at it as is. That's Jordan Wicks. Let's uh, finish out the quartet here um, with uh, Robert Gasser, uh, left-handed pitcher uh, in the Brewers organization, uh, originally drafted by the Padres, um, and then uh, and then went to the Brewers uh, in the Josh Hader deal. Um, uh, lefty, what can you tell us about Gasser? Looks like James Anderson at RotoWire, who's going to be a guest in a few weeks here on the podcast. And uh, myself, we're extremely excited when Gasser got acquired by the Brewers because it was almost like the perfect batch. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brewers do a really good job with these guys with a lot of pitches um, that might not have that overpowering stuff. And they they, they turn them into to greatness. Uh, Gasser's a very interesting kid. Um, he's 24 years old, so he's older. And he's a kid that very likely could be up this year. He's pitching for Nashville, which is just up the road to me, but but just far enough that I don't go to any of their games. I had tried to uh, grab a game when uh, the Baltimore affiliate Norfolk was in with all those really good hitters and just didn't work out. Um, with that family member being ill um, for several weeks uh, before uh, passing last week. So just wasn't able to get there. But 
Uh, Gasser's a low three-quarter slot guy. Uh, it's nearly on the slide arm, uh, uh, sidearm slot. He, he's uh, unlike most lefties. Most lefties are going to be on that uh, first base uh, line. Uh, he sets up on the third baseline with a crossfire-ish delivery. It's a very controlled delivery. It's a very, very short uh, arm circle that he uses. Uh, it's deceptive, and it's hard to really pick up. It's a moderate leg kick. He stays very compact in his delivery, six foot, probably a little smaller than that. Uh, and releasing that pitch at a very, very low velocity, or not low velocity, very, very low trajectory. So, like, I don't have the actual figure of where he releases it, but my guess would be in the 5-1 area. So it's coming from a very low slot. Um, yeah. uh, Logan Allen, who um, made his debut, is back in the minors. The good Logan Allen. Um, for the Guardians right now, uh, he delivers the pitch at like 5-3, 5 So this kid's like around 5 foot, 5-1 when he delivers the ball. So very unusual angles, uh, to say the least. Um Fastball sits 90 to 93. Uh, not a high strike rate with any of his pitches, uh, but he throws, uh, essentially throws 64% of his pitches for strikes. Um, it's just everything falls into the 60% to 67% range. Uh, he throws two types of fastballs. He throws the four-seamer and the two-seamer. The four-seamer has solid ride from a low angle. It's very deceptive and very flat-angled pitch. Uh, so obviously up in the zone, he tends to get uh, a lot of swings and misses. It's near 30%. Um, and he has, very, he has better control with his four-seamer than he does have with his uh, – his two seamer. Um, uh, even though the strike rates at 60% overall this year, um, in the games that I scouted, he was much better and, and against really good competition. Um, the, the, this is another thing too, that these guys are getting used to an automated strike zone in triple a. So, uh, these, these craftier guys like gasser are, are probably going to have lower strike rates until they really kind of figure out uh, their limitations on this. So it's it's good to see games uh, recently where he's showing a better a better co- control of his uh, pitches. Um, two seam fastball, uh, same velocity, 90 to 93. It's an arm side runner, not much uh, sink on it. It's 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 not the greatest pitch. It's a fringe average pitch, but again, he's used it out of a slot. It's it's there for deception. Um, keep keep hitters honest and that sort of thing. He throws four other pitches, Brent. Um, so like this kid, this guy's throwing the kitchen sink at hitters. Uh, uh, the best pitch is a sweeper slider um, in the uh, mid eighty range. Um, he also will throw a little harder uh, as a cutter. Uh, that cutter is mostly kind of, um, uh, I think, just a slider, good slider grip, um, a little, um, a little lighter, maybe. I don't know, um, mm-hmm. but it's very similar. It, it just doesn't slide as much as that slider. Uh, but the sweeper has lots of horizontal break. It's it's probably a near plus pitch. Um, does command it very well, um, and that break just goes on forever. Lefties don't have a don't have a chance against him. He does also use it, utilize it against righties. Not as not as effective. Um, that's where the curveball comes into play. 
Um, the curveball is a more downward movement, less horizontal pitch. It's thrown in the 78 to 81 range. Uh, and he works at primary to right-handed hitters. Early in the count, he likes to um, backdoor it. Uh, later in the count, he likes to use that sink to get guys to extend the strike zone. Um, so both those pitches are around 30% miss rates, which isn't that high for a breaker. Um, but again, like this, this guy's mixing and matching and trying, trying to keep guys off balance. Uh, I actually like the changeup uh, quite a bit. Um, I thought it was a fringe average pitch at the beginning of the year. It's more average to an above average pitch, 86 to 88. Um, uh, arm side fader keeps it outside. Does very rarely will throw it in to right-handed hitters. It's a very effective tool, um, keeping guys off balance with those fastballs. And again, it's all about tunneling and sequencing. And um, like I feel like you know, watching him and watching Wicks back to back on video, uh, I like Gasser because he's much more craftier, but he's also throws his pitches with such better, much better command and throws his whole pitch arsenal with conviction where uh, Jordan Wicks throws his fastball with conviction. That's kind of averages and throws his uh, changeup, which is, uh, is much better pitch than anything Gasser has. He throws those two pitches with conviction, uh, but the other pitches that Wicks has, he doesn't. So I have, I have Robert Gasser firmly around the 7B, 7A, 7B area uh, of mm -hmm. ratings. I've gone back and forth. I think yeah. he's a mid-rotation starter. Um, I think that he's not going to give you lights out performances uh, as a fantasy guy, but he is that guy that slots in as your fifth or sixth starter on a, you know, on your fantasy staff, like a, a guy that is going to be a dude that's regularly drafted in the 100s uh in in the preseason um and never really drafted higher than that but is consistently outperforming his his rating type deal yeah. so yeah. uh like him considerably and i would say that if you're uh, you know if you're following the brewers and they have any sort of injury uh guys and you're in a redraft this year gasser might be a guy to stash hmm. yeah interesting good stuff on uh gasser it's always uh those guys with you know, wide arsenals with a lot of pitches and stuff. Uh, as you said, in the right uh, in the right environment, um, can can have some can have some success. And uh, there's just more, you know, more paint in the palette to kind of work with uh, for those yeah. guys. And uh, it's interesting to uh, think about things that way as we go about picking our pitchers. Anyway, thanks for the report on Gasser, um, on Jordan Wicks, on Owen Casey, and of course Pete. Pro Armstrong, uh, good stuff from you uh, this week. Even though if you're, even though your plans were uh, changed a little bit, from yeah, five yeah, under understood with all that. All of our yeah. uh, certainly all of our thoughts are with you with uh, your family members there, and uh, thank you. Thinking uh, about you all uh, going through that. Uh, so what do you got on tap uh, for this week? I, I had mentioned I'm heading to Seattle for. Uh, the festivities out there. Um, what's on What's on tap for you? Well, I have nothing on tap for like three weeks live baseball oh. games. Um, so that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I have a lot of administrative work as the director of prospect analysis. Uh, this time of year is a pretty busy time with the draft. 
uh, with mid-season list, with the features game, all of that good stuff. Uh, so I'll be working a lot of the backstage stuff that Brent used to do. So Brent can go play in Seattle uh, and not uh-huh. worry, not worry at least about the miners thing, because hopefully we have it covered on our end. Um, but you know, Brent's the Brent's a hard worker. He'll be he'll be tapped into everything else, of course. So, um, but yeah, that's a lot of video, a lot of that. I'll have my buckets article next week. Uh, for the first round draft pick, and there's a lot that goes into that. I'm already prepping that. We'll have our draft capsules on Monday. We'll have our mid-season list next Wednesday. We'll have the podcast uh, recording on Monday and and probably also being released on Monday. So just a lot of things going on. I'll also be on Jason uh, Severe's podcast as a guest uh, next week, too. So just a lot of baseball yeah. and yeah, I can't wait to get away for a few days um, in a couple weeks. It's going to be yeah. great. Um, Very good. Yeah, well, everybody, our, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, just a reminder for our subscribers at the website. Um, yes, we do uh, kind of a, a – uh, we we do profiles of all the first-round picks um, with a specific kind of fantasy angle, and um, our whole team contributes to that. And as you mentioned, uh, Chris, you – kind of coordinate that this year. Uh, but this, that's, that's a really fun exercise. The, uh, the team works really hard at getting those together and, uh, hopefully we can get those out, uh, for everyone, uh, on Monday after the first mm-hmm. round. Um, and it's always interesting, I think, in going back and looking at some of the, uh, some of those write-ups from previous years. And, uh, there's a lot, uh, you know, there's some misses, but there's some hits there too. And, uh, don't, don't to look this. at 2020 anybody. Well, that's, and, and yeah. you could you could actually say that to anybody who's covering this game. You can yeah. also say that to the teams as well. Um, I, I wrote that article today about the um, about essentially our prospects midseason prospect list being crazy and how uh, and yeah. crazy. When I say crazy, I mean very very uh, lacking of depth. Um, there's yeah. no depth in our top. 50 this year nobody's going to have time um, uh, until you add some of these draft prospects in uh but that's when looking at that 2020 draft and looking at who got drafted i think if the season was allowed to play on the draft would have been completely different yeah um, that's very true i mean it, 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 if you look at that first round it, it's yeah, almost almost everybody in that top ten underproduced. I would say um, almost the whole top fifteen kind of underproduced. Uh, P. Crow Armstrong is one of the few guys in the first round that has uh, exceeded his expectations from that draft. So you just never anyway. know. But but anyway, yeah. Thank you all again for joining us uh, this week on the Eyes Have podcast. Uh, I've been hosting every even-numbered episode alone this year, mostly with a guest. Next week, we'll have Brent live from Seattle on the on the 64th edition of the Eyes Have It podcast, so that will be good. Uh, talking about future game performances, also the first round of the draft. Uh, and then a week after that, on the odd week, we'll have James Anderson from Rotowire. We're going to be talking about some of the first-year player draft implications uh, from the draft weekend. So it's going to be a very... Uh, a good all-star break reminiscent of stuff, and then we're going to hit right back into first-year player drafts. It's going to be a great 
uh, great content for the next several weeks as well. Um, yeah. Brett and I would love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter if you're allowed to, if you uh, have <laughs> enough uh, enough room. I, I, see, with everything going on, I didn't even know that was going on. And I was like, why is my tweets loading? What the heck's going on? Um, but I, I didn't know we were being limited now on Twitter. But you can still reach out to us. And I'm at uh, C underscore blessing and Brent's at Brent HQ. Uh, first time listening to the Eyes Have a Podcast, please click subscribe to get our future episodes. Please rank us as well and spread the word about us too. Uh, I hope everybody has a good week. Brent, enjoy your flight to Seattle and your time in one of the best U.S. cities I've ever visited. (laughs) Will do, Chris. Uh, We'll talk to you soon from there.